Sign up to The Economist for in-depth curated expert analysis of world events and topics ranging from business and culture to science and technology. You'll get the weekly digital edition, online-only articles, curated newsletters on politics, the markets, science, culture and China, and full access to The Economist Podcast Plus. The Economist is independent journalism for independent thinking. Go to economist.com and get your first month free. Hey, everybody. Uh, this is uh, Merrick from Cadre Journal. I'm here with the All Marxist uh, Leninist Union uh, based out of Rutgers University. Um, do you guys want to uh, introduce yourselves a little bit? Yeah, no, of course. Um, so I'm Oscar. I am the general secretary of the All Marxist Leninist Union. We're based in, in Rutgers, specifically Rutgers, New Brunswick, since Rutgers is a three campus university. And um, well, I've been here since fall of 2021. So, you know, just as quarantine was ending and well, we'll, we'll get in more into this in the interview, but I mean, the, the landscape of, uh, of communist organizing at college campuses has yeah. certainly changed drastically uh, since COVID. Um, I'm Luke, he, him. Uh, I guess I'm going to be the media secretary. Um, at the moment, we're kind of I mean, we've been reorganizing uh, since COVID. I mean, I only joined the club like a year ago, and we started off as like uh, like more of like a book club. I mean, it was, it was fun. Like we were at um, Pedagogy of the Oppressed by uh, Fieri, um, which is a good one. Um, good in-depth discussions. But, you know, now, of course, we want to move more towards praxis. Um, and in that kind of movement, we're starting to um kind of build like a committee structure so you know again like we're we're slowly like molding the club into like leadership positions but even then um i would say we're pretty uh non-hierarchical hello i'm julian uh i'm just like a general member uh i've been part of amla for like two years now uh kind of joined in with oscar i also do some other organizing in the area with uh Hope City Socialists, uh, do a little bit of stuff with Central New Jersey DSA, and just like, I'm just kind of involved in the area uh, and the organizing that takes place. Well, it's really great to have you guys all here. I'm glad we could like Thank you for having us. find some time over this this winter break. I know we're all trying to like take a, a little time off for school before we get back into it. Um, so just, you know, going off with the questions, um, could you give us, I know you guys talked a little bit about it, but could you give us some more background on, uh, AMLU as Julian said? Uh, so yeah, give us a little bit more background and also like some of the ideological bases you guys feel are kind of, uh, part, or even just maybe some of the different line struggles that you guys have within your own group. I know you guys talk about, uh, pedagogy of the, of the oppressed, which was really cool. Um, so, you know, you can kind of go into any of that stuff. Yeah, no, of course. So the All Marxist Leninist Union is actually a pretty young organization. Um, this was long before any of us were members. Um, it was established in the fall of uh, of twenty fourteen, and much like it was, you know, when I joined back then, the the purpose of the group was more so meant to be, you know, uh, for education, for awareness, and for some activism here and there because th there really wasn't much of a presence for communist organizing 
at Rutgers. Uh, I think the funny thing is actually, so we're we're explicitly a Marxist-Leninist organization, at least in name, but it was the um, the solstice alternative. <laughs> Some of the members from from that group broke off, and and they were the ones who who founded our group. So a bit ironic now, considering the our our situation on campus with the the Trotskyists, but that's besides the point. And um, I think not too long after that, um, we soon became the youth wing of the American Party of Labor. Um, that doesn't really reflect uh, line struggle um, within the org too much because, yeah, let's say maybe five years ago, six years ago, 2017, the, the org was very much dominated by that APL um, Hoja's line. Um, but I mean, yeah, now we, uh, I mean, it, it still is a mostly Marxist group, but we do have, you know, members with with different tendencies and and, you know, we're all working together, but at the same time, you know, we're all, you know, sort of trying to, I guess, in some sort of way, fight for our own lines and, you know, trying to, to prove our lines. And of course, you you do that through struggle. You do that through practice. Um, after the pandemic, the, the group started to come apart a little bit. We became a little inactive. It was only, you know, in the fall after um, in-person classes at Rutgers began to resume. Fall 2021. Yeah, that's when that was when, um, yeah, that's when Julian and I came through. Um, yeah, that's when things really started to pick up. Um, and so, yeah, but I mean, at, at the, you know, in the very beginning, though, just to sum it up, it wasn't really more so a matter of like building this kind of political organization, um, but rather just to get common minded people together and like to to educate people about, you know, about Marxism, Leninism, about the USSR, about actual existing socialism. Um. Yeah, to hop off of Oscar's point, um, we definitely have different tendencies, which I like. But at the same time, I do see everybody in mutual agreement, um, straying away from reformism. And, you know, it is hard to be, I mean, just for any uh, a revolutionary org, but you can at least start um, by holding the principles, you know, and therefore you put the radical principles into practice, praxis, ah, we, you know, we learned that through uh, pedagogy. Um, but, you know, we do have um, these different tendencies, but over the course of restructuring, um, like right now we're work, reworking the constitution and, you know, kind of like looking at different Orgs, whether it be you know the Black Panthers, ten points, or anti-racist actions, um, points of unity, trying to you know collectively agree on you know a set of general you know radical politics. I mean, we're all you know like anti-state, of course. We're all for a, a classless, stateless society. Um, you know, seizing the means of production, however you know you want to call it, um, and put it into Marxist terms. Um, and really at this point, it's just a matter, I feel like, of putting the kind of ideological foundations, you know, into action. Awesome. Um, it's really, I mean, I found that really interesting. Um, and Oscar talking about like the Trotskyists, um, and just kind of the history of this, because I mean, you say it's young, but I think in terms of like some other like university situations, a lot of these you know, clubs, groups, movements peter out after four years, you know, 
after, you know, whoever starts it kind of gets it going like maybe one or two generations more and, and it really fails. And especially after COVID, a lot of these, you know, things have fallen apart. I know like there used to be an SJP at FIU and now it's no longer here. And that's partly because of COVID. So honestly, I think it's very commendable that you guys have been able to last as long as you have, even though, you know, 2014 doesn't seem that long ago, like in terms of college, you know, in that four year structure and, you know, limited time structure, it's, it's a very uh, like good recognizable characteristic of the, of your guys' group um and with that being said um kind of expanding on like the trotskists which was such an interesting thing to point out as well uh what is kind of like the over how would you say the overall like political landscape in at you know new brunswick is like rutgers rutgers new brunswick is and just like the people you interact with like any interesting or or like interesting things you've heard from professors or just like you know the 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 student community at large uh, yeah, there's some interesting currents in the New Brunswick scene right now, I would say. Um, in terms of like organizing with other student organizations, of course, we have like SJP, we have uh, Rutgers One, which is like a student coalition of like these progressive organizations that we're a part of. Uh, so we're really just like trying to work in tandem with these other organizations. Also Anak Bayon. Also Anak Bayon, yeah. Um, is another important uh more radical element in like the the student movement but i would say also just general politics in new brunswick right now like um it is very neoliberal it is very you know the radical elements are kind of in the minority still um however you know like we're we're seeing like definitely some more radical action being taken on campus and i'm sure oscar you can go into this too um the uh we have the adjunct faculty at rutgers are striking and like the faculty the graduate students are going to join them in solidarity uh so that's in a development and oscar actually works closely with the the adjuncts in in that regard um but other than that i mean like you know like i said very neoliberal Rutgers is, you know, working with Tel Aviv University, which is an Israeli like institution. Uh, yeah, it's like something like six hundred sixty-five million dollar project in New Brunswick that's going on. Meanwhile, we have like people on the streets, you know, not being able to have shelter. Um, me and Luke are involved with like Code Blue, like organizing, which is basically like New Brunswick once it gets to a certain temperature. They have to let the the houseless people uh, into these shelters, and some of these conditions are are awful. So, you know, while while Tel Aviv is doing their collaboration with Rutgers and getting a crazy amount of money to to build this thing, you know, we have people on the streets that are don't even have a shelter. Um, and also, just like I guess the New Brunswick context is important to have because. Rutgers does have an impact on the surrounding infrastructure, you know, like as like a university, they're one of the biggest landlords in the area. Like, and, you know, right now we're, we also have a terrible housing crisis in New Brunswick. You know, I think rents have like skyrocketed. The the earliest report I saw was like 36% increase in rents. Yeah. It's, it's alongside, there was a PIX11 article I read, I think around this time last year, actually, um, and we're basically on the same pace of like Newark, 
Jersey City, I think it was Austin, Texas, like countrywide. Like we're we're one of the high, highest raising like uh, rents. Yeah. So like all the and you know we have what like a third of people are like living in New Brunswick are currently living at or below the poverty line. So it's just crazy. And like the the university is definitely involved in that uh in that process of like displacement. Uh, you know, working with Tel Aviv, you know, which, as we know, Israel is an apartheid state. Um, so it, it's not just working about with student organizations, but also just like seeing locally what's going on and organizing with those other organizations. Like I mentioned DSA, I mentioned Hope City Socialist. Those are not really student organizations, but our members do work closely with them in the community. Uh, actually, today I have to to run and like hop to a city council meeting. Um, no, that's tomorrow. Oh, it's tomorrow. <laughs> yeah, you're, you're good though. You're good. Cool. Yeah, they're on Wednesdays. But, yeah, no, there's a lot of uh, there's a lot happening in New Brunswick, and it's pretty. It's it's been interesting to see like all these organizations, you know working together and developing side by side uh, and hopefully we can get to building something that's substantial. Yeah. I, I think I should also clarify because Julian, you mentioned the the faculty union and, and the strike. So, I mean, as things are right now, um, they are on pace to strike, but they still have to authorize it and, and vote on it. So that'll probably be in the spring, probably around March before, our spring break and then after that you know if if things get to that point because keep in mind that this would um this would be Rutgers first strike ever in its 250 year plus history uh as university and um I believe there was almost a strike what in 2019 2020 but then at that point that pandemic came around and I mean that that brought a halt to to pretty much everything really so I feel it's a matter of if, you know, of if um, if the faculty don't get cold feet, which I, I, I personally don't see happening, but I could be wrong. And also, you know, of the university holding out, which they probably will. They probably won't give the, the faculty, you know, their their contract demands. Um, I'd also like to add, I guess this is more on the student side of things, because there is a lot of poverty in New Brunswick, like the city proper. And there is a lot of, um, you know, revolutionary potential. Um, because of that however um at least at the university level because it, it is like a very much i wouldn't say it's gated because <laughs> that would be a big cliche but it is like this very much this bubble you know like rutgers it's almost it's almost its sort of own world away from the rest of new brunswick and you know a lot of students don't realize it i mean they, they often make fun of it as well like we um we like we get these crime alerts like every like day or so of like some crime that's occurred in New Brunswick, and we just joke about it because that's at that's the point that we've uh, we've gotten to, you know, as university students and ideologically as well. Um, I would say that um, you know, communist organizing, specifically, you know, Marxism organizing, because that is the analysis that we should be um, grounding all our organizing in. You know, it definitely has a long way to go in terms of you know, of really asserting its presence and you know, becoming a driving force for a revolutionary change at Rutgers because a, a lot of the, the organizations at Rutgers right now, uh, you know, they are openly and I'd, I'd say even proudly uh, intersectional. And 
I mean, of course, like I, I have nothing against identity, uh, identity politics. You know, we're all, you know, we all have our own experiences with the world, um, with capitalism and, you know, and, and with imperialism as well. But, um, you know, it, it's not really something because then at that point, you know, you're, you're just viewing the world as like, oh, like we have our own oppressors, but like, that's not the case. There's, there's one oppressor and more specifically, you know, it's, it's the ruling class. If we don't base our struggle in that sort of class analysis, then, then we're not, we're not going to get anywhere. And so that's something we're also going to have to overcome. But I do definitely believe that students uh, are sympathetic, or at least like a good number of them. And there definitely are more communists at Rutgers, specifically since, you know, uh, New Jersey is generally a, a, a liberal state, right? But, you know, so liberals, generally speaking, can be swayed. It's just a matter of, you know, actually being aggressive, agitating, you know, and putting ourselves out there. Let me, so New Brunswick has, I mean, just like all um, New Jersey, you know, large, you know, cities and whatnot has always been extremely um, just bad, you know, for the working class, you know, you have a bunch of landlords, some lords, you know, the my you know my mother lived in new brunswick you know when when she was a kid and you know they would have cockroaches um in their apartment and that wasn't even that was like up by george street which is like now you know the kind of like uh commercial you know shopping kind of district where you have all your restaurants um but yeah so what do you call it i mean we've always had just bad conditions and just, you know, as time has increased, they only have gone worse. Um, Julian mentioned, you know, the Tel Aviv contract, which is already on stolen land. You know, we're on stolen Lene Lenape land and, you know, land of the Raritan Lenape. You know, Dutch settlers came. Um, I know one of my professors who I took last, last semester who, um as indigenous himself you know they're recognizing and, and looking into a massacre you know uh and and researching more about that um you know uh centuries ago so we're already on stolen land and for Rutgers to collaborate with tel aviv university who is also you know israel is an apartheid state but it's also a settler colonial state just like us and i think we have to material materially recognize that in order to understand the class dimensions, but also the kind of relations to uh, uh, material basis that also kind of aid um, in racism and you know all of those kind of structures and analyzing it in that sense away from more just kind of liberal surface um, identity politics. Um, of course, we have, you know, a tremendous houseless population. Um, the city does nothing about it. Um, Rutgers, you know, continuously aids in it. Um, I always joke about, um, you know, we literally have a street uh, renamed Paul Robinson Street. You know, the, the communist revolutionary um, who was the, I think, third African-American um, at Rutgers. Um, and what do you call it? you know, vehement communist. Uh, he visited, you know, Russia and uh, the Soviet Union at the time. And, you know, he, he famously proclaimed that's where he felt human for once. Um, 
what do you call it? You know, anti anti imperialist, anti Korean War, uh, all of that. And you know, uh, on the on the the corner up by the Raritan, like there's literally always like panhandlers there. Like it's a total disgrace, you know, to to a revolutionary's legacy like that. Um, and that's kind of you know the, um, I guess just like just again like liberal kind of um, whitewashing of of history and all of that that Rutgers participates and you know it claims to be a revolutionary school but in reality it kind of identifies more you know with the 76 settler you know revolution um in terms of radical politics we've always had you know a sort of radical identity i mean uh working with hope city i've i've briefly met uh Charmel davis whose father was a black panther um, and they had to, you know, at that time they had to run underground, um, just because of how, you know, uh, oppressive the, the state and the police were at that time. Um, you know, Asada Shakur, who, you know, infamously was shot and, uh, detained, um, on the New Jersey turnpike, um, for being a part of the Black Panthers and the Black Liberation Army. Uh, she was locked in solitary confinement under the Middlesex County Jail, um, which is like a little bit, you know, maybe like eight miles down south from, you know, New, Brun New Brunswick, the city. Um, you know, the lawyers, you know, recognized and they all joined together and, oh, oh boss, by, so by the way, she was in solitary in a men's prison too. She was the only one who was locked uh, in a men's prison like that. Um, and then Angela Davis, you know, held held rallies at City Hall um, alongside, you know, other revolutionaries calling for her release. Um, I know anti-racist actions, uh, anti-racist action, New Jersey, um, their uh, kind of mainstay was based uh, in New Brunswick as well, you know, more like into the 80s and the 90s. Um, and to current day, we still have that kind of, you know, revolutionary momentum for sure. I mean, like we work with Hope City, um, you know, which is a great, uh, a great org, um, Student Justice for Palestine, you know, is a great org, same with Anak Bayan. And really, I feel like with the upcoming strike, because it, frankly, it's going to happen. Um, they've already been building up a strike fund. Um, uh the the university has basically been you know shooing down their demands or you know just trying to like give them as little as possible because the university honestly thinks that they can probably win um but i don't know i don't know how that's going to happen i mean of course that's only for the future behold but i think our current mission really with the union um which we've been working alongside as well as just a a, a strike is to make it as radical as possible. Um, I know, you know, on the UC campuses, they had an amazing start and um, they did amazing work. I know UC, I think it was UC Davis cops off campus. They did a really good campaign of, you know, doing anti-police work, which, you know, we hopefully will try and follow in their footsteps because we have to recognize, you know, that police are going to try to, you know, they're going to side, you know, on, on Rutgers because they protect capital. They don't protect us. Um, so, 
you know, we need to do anti-police work. Um, and also to that's with their union, unfortunately, they kind of caved in to a lot of those, you know, uh, kind of ideas of like being more radical and instead, you know, just asking and uh, uh, kind of agreeing on, you know, like wage increases and job security, which, you know, that's, that's good. Like we need that, but at the same time, we need to recognize Rutgers, you know, on stolen land, engaging in, you know, apartheid and settler colonialism across the sea um, and really like dismantle all of those forms of oppression and whatnot that it engages in. Yeah. Um, wow. That, that was, I, mean, <laughs> I feel like I got a, like a, a history lesson on like revolution. In, <laughs> I'm, a his, I'm a history student. So. Oh, perfect. Yeah. Cause yeah. I, I, I mean, I really did not know uh, about a lot of those things. Uh, the Robinson thing is really cool. The Shakur thing is very interesting. Um, I think I remember it was in New Jersey, but I, you know, I didn't know that much about it, honestly. Um, and so, and I'm, it's cool that you're also mentioning like, what other universities are doing, uh, what other people are doing, obviously. Um, that stuff is like kind of one of the reasons we, we want to talk to you guys is because, you know, there's so much we can learn from, you know, looking towards each other, you know, like a lot of times we, we read books or maybe we read articles, but, you know, I think really listening to one another is really where we get to the most uh, important, like, current elements uh, for us to be addressing. Um, and with that in mind, I also thought it was really cool that you guys are so um you guys are focused in and like uh really recognize the importance of anti-imperialism I, I find like sometimes um we can we can forget about that in some of our organizing spaces but, but the fact that you brought up israel the fact that you guys um you know are working with whether it be like filipino orgs or palestinian orgs um you know these are some like really great things um and i wanted to kind of expand more on that if you guys could talk more about like what do you feel like in general, like, because I feel like universities are this really great crossroads of um, different um, issues that we really want to get to, you know, whether it be anti-imperialism or anti-capitalism, um, you know, the solutions that Marxism has for both of those things are really, uh, I think, exceptionally applicable in universities where they have this international, national, you know, local, uh, like influence. Um, so I wanted to ask you guys more about like the anti-imperialism stuff. What do you guys feel like, you know, just in general, how do you feel like you feel about anti-imperialism? How do you think students should feel about it? You know, and maybe, you know, talk more about the relationship between the university, uh, and their, you know, support of imperialism. I mean, me generally, and I, I think, this is part of the reason why I became a communist and more specifically uh, a Marxist Leninist is, you know, just my experiences with imperialism, my experiences being in this country, because um, this is going to sound quite cliche, but I'm the son of immigrants, specifically um, two immigrants from the highlands of, of Peru. And I mean, Peru, I know, has its own revolutionary history. It's something that I look towards to a lot in, in my organizing as well. And I, I try and, and bring that in, you know, and share that with my comrades as well. But um, yeah, I mean, it, it started early, I'd, I'd say like, because, well, you know, you have, aside from the cities, maybe, and even then, like, there's a lot of corruption in the cities. But, you, you, you know, you, you, I started asking, because, you know, in like over there, for the most part, the, the infrastructure, you know, is, is subpar at best, you have a lot of people um, 
living in poverty, living in conditions that you do not see in the United States at all. And so I decided wondering, why, why are things better off over here than, than over there back in Peru? And, and my father in particular, um, not, not saying that he was anything of, of, a, of a Marxist, let alone a socialist, but, you know, like he'd always go on about how great Peru is, how great the land is, the food is, the people are, about all of these things that we have and that we did. And I, and I started to wonder, you know, what, then, then why, why aren't we there? And, and, and the fact of the matter is, it, it's, it's that, you know, it, it's not really us that gets determined that at the end of the day, you know, um, it, it all comes down to, to capital, the, the accumulation of capital. And, and, you know, and through that, you know, um, history has fostered, you know, this imperialist stage of history that we are, that we are currently in. And so it's important to, to recognize that also because a lot of so-called Marxists fall into this very reductionist analysis where, you know, other than like only prioritizing class in their struggle, um, they also end up only looking at specifically American conditions. And when they do, they often end up reducing those conditions to like a very, a very suburban America when in fact there are various oppressed nations, you know, in, in the United States states itself and you know and when people say oh there's no revolutionary potential in the united states that's far from true as all and i'm not talking about necessarily the 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 white proletariat so to speak but you know the the indigenous nations uh you know the new africans so to speak as well not just in the south but you know in, in other parts of the country um you know the, the puerto rican diaspora as well in the united states um you know the um hawaii there, there are so many you know nations within this so-called country and it's important to realize that you know it you know it, it all comes down to to imperialism to this uh, you know this sort of hegemony per se um as for how things are on campus why people should be anti-imperialist at rutgers i i believe there is a sentiment there i mean aside from the fact that a lot of the people who go to rutgers are first generation students uh children of immigrants themselves often from uh you know these um from the global south, from the imperial periphery, there is that sentiment as well because we do have that military presence uh, on campus. There, we have uh, ROTC programs at Rutgers. They like pay for your tuition uh, and everything, and um, they even have two buildings on our campus. They have one for their army division and then one for their air force. And and from time to time, you can even see them, you know, training across the. The various campuses uh, in New Brunswick. So, obviously, that's not very popular with a lot of students, both now and historically speaking. I mean, in the '60s as well. I forget what year exactly, but in the height of, you know, the Vietnam War and all the anti-war protests, um, I believe the the buildings. Correct me if I'm wrong, but the buildings, the ROTC buildings, were, were burned down. They were occupied, and then when Nixon uh, announced, you know, publicly that um, we were going to be invading Cambodia. Um, they actually Molotov cocktailed the um, the ROTC office. Yeah, you know that's what I was referring to. Thank you for clarifying, Luke. Um, but yeah, so definitely, you know, like students are conscious in that sense. They are generally anti-military, but you know, we we do often fall into that trap where you know where we become so isolated and so American. Uh, in our analysis of the world, so to speak, that we only, you know, view ourselves and we end up, you know, um, putting down uh, other people's or often antagonizing, you know, the people that we shouldn't be antagonizing 
at all. So in, in regards to anti-imperialist organizing, because I feel like I'm going in circles at this point. Um, <laughs> um, I mean, yeah, we do work with Palestinian orgs, Filipino orgs. Uh, in the future as well, um, we do plan on working with other diasporic orgs that might not necessarily have that consciousness yet, so to speak. I mean, the thing of that, obviously, and, you know, um, I know you're particularly familiar with this, you know, being in Florida, you know, diasporas aren't often very revolutionary. If everything, especially the diasporas here in the United States, they are quite reactionary. I mean, I myself, a lot of the Peruvian diaspora in New Jersey, because um, New Jersey, I believe, has the second most Peruvians, Peruvian immigrants behind Florida, funnily enough. But um, yeah, a lot of them are, are very reactionary, uh, very pro-Mujimori, very neoliberal. Um, and if not that, like they're just like straight up, you know, like they're they're basic, basically Catholic monarchists. So, uh, yeah, it's <laughs> uh, so we have to be careful um, in that regard as well. And we don't want to till other groups when we are, you know, um, organizing around anti-imperialism. But um, it, it is definitely a, a noble cause for sure. And, you know. I am optimistic, you know, in the student body at Rutgers. I know there is that potential and there is that consciousness to write off, you know, Rutgers students immediately just because a lot of us might be petite bourgeois in nature doesn't doesn't mean, you know, that, um, you know, we can undergo that sort of education and that unlearning of, you know, the the liberalism, you know, that has been pushed down our throats for, for years. Um, yeah, I think anti-imperialism is simply just necessary i don't think you can really be a communist or a revolutionary uh, person or org if you don't take a stance on that because we directly profit off of it whether we like it or not you know in an imperial poor like the u.s um in terms of anti-imperialism you know I'll go back to history like we do, we've had a long, you know, a, a struggle on campus across across campuses on Rutgers and Princeton as well. Like, you know, and especially with the Vietnam War, I feel like that's probably where the student movement was uh, most radical. And I think we can, you know, uh, learn a lot from it. Um, I mean, you know, again, when when Nixon decided to invade Cambodia, you know, Molotov cocktails were thrown, you know, into the ROTC building. Um, in, in Newark, uh, 69, the, uh, black student organization, uh, took, took, they, they occupied, um, I think it was Conklin Hall and they renamed it Liberation Hall and their occupation of it, um, literally led to forget what the exact thing is called, but it's basically like, it's, it's, it's the program that Rutgers sponsors that, um, basically, you know, AIDS, uh, marginalized populations, you know, specifically black and brown populations, um, and, you know, paying tuition, uh, easing up costs and like that. And of course, you know, that's, that's a reform, but like, we still have to recognize the revolutionary elements of that action. And it did achieve, you know, something, um, in, you know, the eighties and the nineties, um, the anti-apartheid, movement for South Africa was very large. And that can, you know, also, we can also learn a lot from that uh, in terms of our struggle against, you know, Israeli apartheid. Um, 
we had, you know, students literally like holding up signs, like saying like death to supporters of, you know, African apartheid. We had Jesse Jackson, you know, come and uh, uh, give a speech, you know, to, to uh, a crowd of, you know, maybe a thousand um, in Princeton. Uh, they took over, um, they, they did an occupation as well. And all these things directly led, you know, to divestment from these, um, uh, to imperialism. And, um, yeah, I don't know, I guess just like, I'll, I guess I'll end it with the, you know, the basic Lenin stance of imperialism is the, uh, the highest stage of capitalism. So it's like, if you can't go against that, like, what are you doing as a socialist? You're only really um, promoting, you know, white, white socialism, uh, national chauvism, white supremacy, all that kind of thing. Just one last quick thing, because, I mean, Rutgers does have, you know, a lot of history around anti-imperialist organizing, something that happened more recently. Um, and and uh, former members of AMLU were even involved in this, uh, which I find uh, a bit crazy. I only found out about this recently. but. Um, so this was, I think, 2014, uh, spring of 2014. We were supposed to have uh, Condoleezza Rice, if that's how you say her name, um, you know, have speak at commencement. And uh, I mean, the decision was quite unpopular because, well, obviously, you know, uh, of her involvement, you know, in, in kind of peddling the narrative of, you know, of the, uh, of the intervention, just straight up invasion of Iraq and, and all of the, the aftermath and the the death and suffering that came from that. So, um, yeah, no, the, like, if, if I'm not mistaken, the, the students, uh, I don't know what organization this was. I don't think this was the all Marxist Leninist union because at that time we weren't in org yet per se, but yeah, there, there were a bunch of other student groups, um, Muslim groups, um, that I'm sure of, um, yeah, that occupied like the, the offices of the Rutgers president at the time, uh, Robert Barchi. And they were in there for a good few hours. I, I think, six to eight hours um they were in there um you know and you know eventually um you know they got rice to to not do her her thing at rutgers so we do have that that history of militant anti-imperialist organizing i I think now you know with covid and everything it's a matter of, of regrouping and and you know and actually building ourselves up as a political force to you know to to, to not just replicate those successes, but to to achieve new successes uh, of our of our own. I, I think you guys made some really great points about like imperialism and kind of the the relationship, you know, with the university. I mean, definitely. So it's really cool to hear uh, the this long history of Rutgers in anti imperialism. Um, I know for FIU, like we're a very we're a much younger school, so we don't quite have that. So you know, hearing about anti-war specifically, which is something that we're still dealing with now. Um, just like how, you know, Oscar, you said you talked about the Congolese rice, like, you know, protesting her there, this anti-war movement, you know, it's still so prominent for us today. It's something that we, we can really learn from the past and bring it into the future. Um, and, you know, especially because of that, you know, international character of a lot of universities or, you know, like immigrant character or diaspora character of a lot of universities. It's funny you talk about Peru because, um, you know, here in South Florida, it's, you know, very, very similar. Like I remember friends who were going to vote in the elections, uh, was it last year or the year before? And it was just like Fujimori people 
all it was outstanding how many people were there in support of Fujimori um and like you know with signs and all this stuff um or I, I don't think they were technically allowed to have signs like actually in the voting facility but like just around the area um because you know there was like the 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 Peruvian diaspora is so I think like like the US voted like 94% in favor of Fujimori so you know it's it's a very like specific type of community and you know that's something that's true for a lot of different diaspora communities um who you know I, I think that material change from going from the third world to the first you know it changes or maybe there's only certain types of people that go through but you know there's definitely you know an interesting like relationship with that um so i wanted to kind of you know start wrapping up with saying we've talked a lot about about the past but i would love to hear about what do you guys think for like amlu's future like, what are you guys trying to organize? What would you really like to see, you know, develop? Like, you know, some of the real things that you guys want to get done. Um, and also, like, you know, where where can people find you? What kind of work have you done? Um, and, you know, that just kind of like that general thing, you know, we're starting the year fresh. So I want to hear about all the future stuff. See, well, well, there's certainly a lot, not just for, for the upcoming spring semester, but I think for for the fall semester as well. I mean, you, you do have the the faculty strike, you know, very imminent looming you know if it does happen which, and we're all expecting it to happen of course but if it does happen uh we, we want to do everything that we can not just to to support the union but to actually you know ensure that there is some kind of change going through uh luke mentioned you know all the stuff that happened at the ucs um i think it's also worth to note what happened at the new school um i had the privilege of uh of attending one of their pickets uh, i think yeah Oh, yeah, yeah, it was early on though, so like I, I didn't get to see the the occupation uh, and stuff. But but yeah, the the students of the new school in solidarity with the union and their demands, they yeah they occupied the the buildings and everything. And if I'm not mistaken, uh, I could be wrong, but last time I checked, they were still under occupation despite the um, the university accepting the demands because they want the university to actually you know to go through with them and and ensure that that you know that that faculty get what they need. So. And of course, as I mentioned before, we've had have had histories of occupation. This is the school of uh, of tent state as well. We've had multiple tent states. Uh, uh, just just for some context, so t- tent state, from my understanding, um, I'm still learning a lot about it and what it was, what it is, and what it could be. But from my understanding, um, tent state is is I mean, it's, it's just pretty much that. It's this like huge sit-in movement that started at Rutgers and. It's very educational in nature, and the whole point of it is to like to disrupt, uh, like the functioning of the university until like the the people organizing the tent state get what they want. That might be a bit of an oversimplification, but that's how I understand it. But yeah, we've had mult um several of those throughout the years, and so we want to do our part, not just as students, but also uh, as Marxists, as as communists, to you know, to really ensure that you know that that when when people, when the people who, who, you know, who are in power, they don't just talk to talk, they walk the walk. And also, you know, to, to show them that, you know, we truly are a powerful force on campus. And when I say we, I don't just mean our organization, but the, the masses at Rutgers, really, because at the end of the day, you know, it's the masses, it's the workers who make the, the university and the community what it is. And it's sad, you know, really that the, the, a lot of these people that are, you know, that are in charge of the university and, and even the city proper of New Brunswick aren't even in the city uh, half of the time 
and and they're just kind of doing their thing at Rutgers at New Brunswick as as a side hustle almost. I mean, the the mayor of of New Brunswick, he's been mayor for thirty one years. Um, he just recently won re-election as well, which is the crazy thing. But he's not even in New Brunswick. Um, yeah. <laughs> half the time and like it it says on his website or whatever, that, that the mayor position for him is just a part-time thing which i find crazy but um but yeah definitely a lot of organizing with the strike uh i think also in the future as well something to to consider um very a very new a very fresh idea i feel at least you know um within the space but um definitely organizing some kind of panel um uh, around the USSR because there are there are a lot not a lot but there is a notable um you know historian of of US socialism and the USSR at our university Norman Markowitz and I know he has a lot of connections with um you know with actual Soviet historians and people you know who have studied the Soviet Union um as well and we also have alumni as well so you know the founder of AMLU um he's very knowledgeable in that regard as well. So definitely some kind of panel that would be great to organize. And I think eventually, um, whether it's our generation or the next, at some point we should make some kind of effort to, to go to Cuba and, you know, to actually uh, get a sense of, um, you know, of what other people around Existing. the world are trying to do. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Occupation works. Um, it disrupts the university, it prevents scabs, um, adding a little more context to the new school strike um they literally in 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 trying to union bust they threatened and they did they they were or maybe they didn't or they threatened to and they were gonna do it um to get rid of the workers health insurance because you know of course in the united states all of our health insurance and 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 stuff like that is tied to employment so they threatened to do that and then they literally tried to um back it up by putting a bell hooks quote like justifying their actions which is 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 insane um and two going back to like uc davis cops off for campus and all of those organizations who did work in tandem with the union but i think we have to recognize that the union unfortunately is probably not going to be as radical um outside of the union they were liberating dining halls um, and of course, you know, we do need a lot to work on in terms of building solidarity with, you know, uh, dining hall workers and, and building those connections. You can't just like walk in and say like, hey, like just start giving f- free food. You know what I mean? Like you have to talk with these people, work with these people one on one to build that kind of relationship and trust. Um, but they literally like liberated these dining halls multiple times giving out free food and all of that, which is honestly like amazing, especially in a school at Rutgers where the university literally admits that like one in five, you know, have insecurity um, with, you know, food insecurity um, and to where we have this program to where it's like, oh, you can like donate your meal swipes at the end of the university. It's not like we're going to give you food. We're just going to throw that responsibility onto other students, you know, who are working all these jobs and paying all this money. Um, but yeah, um, I would definitely love, you know, I feel like that would be amazing to do an occupation, whether it be in the dining halls or just generally because they work. Yeah. I would just say more, just broadly speaking here, um, just embedding ourselves in the struggles of, you know, the university of the local struggles around New Brunswick 
or you know even if obviously probably the listeners are not in New Brunswick but just embedding yourself in the local struggle like around your community and within the university is really important because like Oscar said it is kind of like a bubble when we're inside the university and uh, when we step out it's it's radically different so not only just like connecting these two communities that are so separate but you know putting ourselves at their disposal at their disposal hearing their you know what their conditions are like and you know struggling alongside them to to build solidarity and community there and uh yeah that's all i really had to say well this is really awesome guys um, so I just wanted to say, uh, thank you so much. Do you guys want to just like quickly, like maybe like plug your Instagrams or anything like that? Um, that'd be cool. And then I know then we'll be good. Yeah. So, I mean, just to keep updated with, um, with, you know, with what we're doing, um, our Instagram is scarlet revs, uh, no spaces, no underscores, no periods in between just, just, yeah. S C A R L E T R E V S. And I'm pretty sure that information will be provided somewhere pure as well. And then our Twitter is Scarlet Rev AMLU. Um, and yeah, for the upcoming semester, we'll be sure to, to post more stuff as well. I mean, we'll have a media committee. And also, um, yeah, we'll, we'll just be putting like, you know, obviously what we're doing, but also like just generally like more art as well, because that's also important, not just, you know, as a means of growing our presence, but for, for education um, as well. Awesome. Well, um, this was a great conversation. I, I hope everyone has a, a great day um, and hopefully we can keep working on in the future. Lamentablemente, las condiciones que estamos viviendo en, han llegado a ser una miseria insoportable para la gente. Pero hay unos vendepatrias ingreídos que todavía creen en una sociedad de antes donde los artistas fuimos bestias de trabajo para la industria. Ese sueño se ha acabado. Y ahora nos encontramos despiertos en la hora de revolución, porque no podemos.